Let me tell you something. He loves us. He loves us no matter what we're doing. But he, we can do that and still stay focused on Him. Amen? Two of y'all can. That's encouraging. All right. <laughs> I want to um, get started tonight on a couple things. I'm not, going to, um, I'm not going to preach long tonight. Or at least that's my intention. Um, Blake laughs. So does everybody else. Uh, but I do want to say a couple things. <clears throat> and, and again, a, a, another Wednesday night after another Tuesday night that my wife will probably throat punch me for doing this. But four more women in Walker County Jail got saved last night. Four more. That's 14 women in 14 days. And, and let me tell you something, and, and, and y'all know me, I don't knock other churches, but let me tell you something. When you go in for Jesus and not in to build your brand because you want a thousand people, things can happen. And the point is, it's not about us. If we just carry Jesus, that's enough. And, and to be quite honest with you, it doesn't matter if there's two or 2,000 or 20,000. It matters that he's represented properly. And, and I'm watching a ministry begin to blossom and explode over here. And, and it just, I'm honored as her husband to watch this happen. Amen. So y'all have known it for years. Y'all have heard her in little snippets. Uh, but, but she, she, April Bailey does not want it to be about her, so I will move on. However, just pray for us and pray for her as she steps into a whole new level. Uh, last night, uh, Miss Cindy Bentley was there with her and got to share a minute, and they just saw great results, and, and that's what we want to do. But you do that through obedience. Amen? You do that through obedience. I want to talk to you tonight about becoming kingdom-minded. A lot of what we do in church today is learned behavior. <clears throat> a lot of what we do today in church is... Uh, for lack of a better term, and I don't mean this derogatory, but a lot of what we do is smoke and mirrors. Uh, it's literally, uh, you know, I said something a couple weeks ago that Matt and I were having a conversation about, and I, I agreed with what he said. If if you're coming out of the clubs and going into the church and it's the clubs, what what are you? What, you're really just changing parties. That's all you're doing. Uh, and the truth is, that, do you have a heart change? Matt Gerber used to teach us at Canaan Land, <clears throat> very simple, very simple, uh, uh, just very simple way of looking at it. If you, if you lead someone to Jesus, are you giving them an example? Are they getting saved from what to what? And, and the truth is, is you know, I'm not saying that, that I, I got nothing wrong. I got nothing against big churches. Matter of fact, <clears throat> the truth is, is I want us to be a big church. But I want our heart to be as big as our building. I want our ability to be like him to be bigger than our numbers. Amen? So you have to do that by being kingdom minded. <clears throat> and I want to talk to you about that today. Go to Hebrews chapter 5. Now, I'm still breaking in a new Bible up here, so if you see me wrestling with it, I'm going to apologize in advance because I don't know if you've ever had to break in a new Bible after preaching out of one for 15 years. The old one just flops to where you're going. This one don't do that. It kind of fights with me a little bit. <clears throat> oh, come on. See, somebody's going to have to get my other Bible. I'm going to push through. Watch this. All right, Hebrews chapter 5. Y'all okay? Y'all looking at me all weird like I don't have to wait on you to find places in the Bible, praise the Lord. Let's, let's just be honest about it. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 8. Though he were a son, say son. Though he were a son... Yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. Verse 9, And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all, unto all that came, uh, all to him that obey him. Verse 10, Called of God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Now, I don't, uh, I don't have time to deal with Melchizedek tonight, although there's a lot of meat there. I want you to see verse 8. Though he were a son, Yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered, semicolon. Now, you've heard me talk about this word suffering a lot. And we're going to talk about it again. Because a lot of times we hear things and we hear things and we hear things and it just doesn't settle in. This word suffering does not mean, though he were a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. It doesn't mean, listen, it doesn't mean that he learned obedience the minute he went to the whipping post. 
See, you have to put things in context. And we got a teaching anointing in here tonight, so y'all just might as well put your big girl panties on. We're going to go deep. So that is the mental anguish of learning how to live in a new kingdom, learning how to live in a new way of doing things, learning how to live in a new society, learning how to live in a new administration. You see, we live in a, we live in a society that is a democratic republic. It means we, we get to vote our leaders in. And every four years or every eight, eight years, nationally, we have a different administration that we have to get used to. And right now, some people are having trouble getting used to what we got. Uh, but the truth is, is it happens. I remember the Carter years. I was young, but I remember. I remember the Reagan years. I remember the Clinton years. I remember all those things. And I remember, and, and we make out like this is the worst season ever, but this same stuff happened then. I mean, it's just kind of how it works. Uh, and that is suffering. That is, that is mental anguish of trying to figure out how to live in a new system. So Jesus, though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. Now, Romans 8, 14, John 1 and 12, all the things that you've heard me teach you all of these years lead you to this point. You are, male or female, because you're covered in the blood of Jesus, you are a son. Amen? If you've accepted Jesus... When God looks at this planet, when you enact word, when you pray in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, you are activating a son. You are activating what he left. He left you him. Jesus was not the body he lived in. He was the essence of his own spirit. He was son of man and son of God. However, his blood was born of God where his body was born of woman. So what was murdered was physical but was left was spiritual. And the reason that his blood ran down across which is the gateway to your salvation and ran into the dust and into the dirt because it ran into the very thing you came from to give you the opportunity to become everything he was. Listen, Jesus became everything you are in sin and problems and issues so you could become everything he was as the son of man. Amen. See, what drives me crazy is these preachers that don't know their Bible. And they've been preaching 35,000 years. And they, I know they're reading it, but they're, they're filtering it through what they've been taught versus listening to the Holy Spirit. And they say, well, God's in control. Well, y'all have heard my stint on that. And then you heard Dean come in here and say almost the exact same thing. You've heard our pastor, Pastor Tracy, say. You've heard Doc Barkley say. The truth is... If you're smart, you give God control by giving Him the Word in your life and saying, this is what I'm standing on and believing. I expect it to come to pass. I give you this area of my life. However, it's not random. Amen. This is the suffering. The suffering is that we think because God's sovereign that He's controlling. Those are two very different things. God is sovereign. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere. Let me just deal with this. Y'all do realize, and this is back to my, my point of people that don't read their Bible, and, and you do realize that there's not a big God and a big devil in an eternal war over your soul. That battle's been won. Right. Amen. To the point that the Bible says <clears throat> that Satan was cast out of heaven like so fast it was like a lightning bolt, which means he was an afterthought. How powerful do you think he was if he was an afterthought and gone? So, so this mindset that sometimes, you know, sometimes you, you're just dealing with the devil. You know what's sad? What's sad is you're really not ever dealing with the devil. You're just dealing with part of the war, part of the, the, uh, the army of the enemy of fallen angels and demonic activity that are really so small and insignificant. If you ever really saw them, you'd be shocked. So the truth is, I'm not saying they're not powerful, but they're powerful in influence. So here's the deal. I've got kids. And what I teach my kids is the law of attraction says whoever you're around, you're becoming like them or they're becoming like you. And you better be strong enough to stay who you are. Because if I see you becoming somebody else, I'm going to talk to you about it. And they don't like them little car rides with daddy. Do you? Everybody looks down. Because the, tr <laughs> the truth is you have to be somewhere on the on the winning side of this suffering that at some point your mind accepts just like Jesus though he suffered and we suffer trying to figure this thing out he learned obedience through it 
See, if you're still praying the same prayer when you first got saved, we, we got to move that forward a little bit. We, we got to get you past, Lord, uh, bless my hamburger and keep my arteries clear. <laughs> we got to move on past that. We got to move on past, Lord, I pray for perfect health while I'm you know, choking down fried chicken on a bone. I mean, big old vein, come flying back at you off the leg, you know, that kind of thing. That's good stuff. <laughs> Everybody's moaning and groaning now. Listen, I worked in Doc, Dr. Pimple Popper before. I should, we'll get to the Tobro eventually, so. <laughs> I'm playing. The new you has no limits because you're connected to God. The only thing that limits you is your mind. Amen? Satan uses the, the senses and your, listen, now listen, and I'm going to deal with our arrogance and pride. Satan uses our senses and our own mental abilities to keep us away from God's best. Because if he can get you chaotic in your senses and if he can get you chaotic in your mind, you will be chaotic in your prayer life. If he can get you chaotic in your giving, you will be chaotic in your life. If he can get you chaotic in, in your fasting, now I don't have time to teach on fasting. I believe you should fast. I believe you should seek the Lord. Uh, however, if you go on anything more than a couple of days, you better hear God on that right. stuff. Some, some people say, hey, are you hungry? No. Okay. I'm just asking. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> so the truth is, <laughs> you threw me off now, Trevor. The truth is, is we have to settle into what he's saying at all times. We can't just take something that's a revelation to us, write a book about it, inspect America to do it, and call it God. Amen. I'm not saying that there's not grand revelation. My greatest, my greatest purpose and my greatest focus is sonship, but I'm not, I don't believe every preacher should preach sonship. That's what I'm anointed to do. I'm not anointed to do certain things that other people are anointed to do. Go to verse 9 for me. If we can keep our mind out of chaos and our senses out of chaos, then this happens. And being made what? Perfect. He became what? The author. Now, stop. Now, this is where some of my preacher friends get mad at me. But just, just stay with me. And being made perfect, that is not perfect in behavior. That's being made perfect in relationship. As you're being made perfect in relationship... Everything else begins to line up. Too many people are trying to fix behavior mentally rather than fix behavior through relationship. You see what I'm saying? When you get close to God and you find out how much he loves you and you learn how to surrender, and that's not easy. But when you learn how to move into that place with him that he is, he is more than you could even imagine yesterday than he was, but yet he's amazing you today and you move into that kind of relationship, all of a sudden a hunger comes up in you, that conviction falls on you very easily. And okay, I'm, I'm, I'm not supposed to be doing this, seeing this, being around that, the Lord's dealing with me about it, I'm going to move on over here. And you don't dwell on that. You don't make yourself, listen, you got to stop beating yourself up for failure. You just have to move on past it and keep going. You got to repent and keep going. God's not going to remind you of your past. If anything's reminding you of your failure, that ain't God. You got to be willing to move past that. And let me talk to you about conviction for a minute. God doesn't convict you to make you feel bad. God convicts you because that's not where he wants you. Amen. All right? So if, I, if, if Hannah is somewhere and we're on the phone, yeah, she give me that eye, and I say, hey, you need to come on home. Now, I say that because I want the best for her and she needs to come on home for two reasons. First of all, that's not where she needs to be. Secondly, daddy's on his way. She don't want that, right? No, see. But the point is not to make her feel bad, it's to get her back to safety. Now, if she starts feeling bad, then as a daddy, I have to comfort her and say, sweetheart, I'm not angry at you, I just want the best for you. We've got conviction all wrong. We think conviction is when we feel bad. Conviction is when you recognize God's pulling you away from something and it's your own human emotions that make you feel bad. Are y'all with me? So Satan is starting to twist your human emotions to make you think that it's God. And God just made me feel bad over it. God just, boy, he just, got it. He, he just got me. God will absolutely correct and chasten his children. The Bible says that. But he does everything with love. Everything. Are y'all following me? So what we have to understand is this. It moves on to the next part. That's how you're made perfect through understanding conviction. Are y'all starting to see how the word works? Y'all starting to see how the word works? Being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all that do what? Obey who? Obey who? 
Obey who? Him who? No. Jesus. The Word. Made flesh. See, God gave control to Adam. Adam gave it to Satan. Satan gave it back to Jesus. He didn't have a choice. Jesus gives it back to us. So we have to obey Word made flesh. We have to obey His Word. That takes us back to being made perfect. You're being made perfect by obeying His Word. Now, you're not, let me tell you something. You're not going to be able to pick up the Bible and be perfect in it tomorrow. You're just not. But I want to say this to you. When Satan uses uh, your senses to distort your, uh, the fallen creation, but remember this, if it comes directly from God into your spirit, it cannot be distorted. This is why you have to win the battle of your mind. Now, let's deal with that. Man, i got so much I ain't even got there yet. If it comes into your spirit, y'all do know this, so y'all heard me teach this. You live in a body, right? You have a soul, right? And you, but you are what? A spirit. This right here ain't who I am. Y'all see me go by in that ratty old green truck. Y'all say, there go Alan. No, that ain't me. I'm in here. That's just my truck because I'm going too fast for you to see me. You just see what I'm usually in. Does that make sense? It's just the same thing with your body. Truthfully, when I, when I lay down and, and, and this earth gets this body back, that ain't who I am. The problem is, is we live so much in, in our souls and what we think and, and, and what we feel and it's instant gratification and let's move into this. And, and we've built such a life there that when we try to move over into our spirit and we try to hear from God, it takes us hours to even get quiet if we even attempt to go past 10 minutes. It takes us hours to get quiet and then we distort everything God's saying to us because he spoke it purely into our spirit, but our mind is infiltrating what he said. You, quit, you need to quit worrying about the devil and start worrying about you. We give him way too much power. I'm not saying he's not the devil. I'm not saying we don't have an enemy loose. I'm saying that he uses words. He uses influence and he uses your past and he uses your pain and he uses everything, your trauma, whatever it is, he uses it to make you think that he has more power. So now listen, you say, well, Pastor, I just don't understand that. Well, let me show it to you. Go to Matthew chapter 14. Are y'all learning anything? All right. I mean, I can go to hacking and spitting, but it ain't going to help you. <laughs> Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. Now, you've all heard this story, but let's read it together. Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. And straightway Jesus constrained the disciples to go into a ship. And to go before him unto the other side where he sent the multitudes away. Y'all have heard me use this example about a million times and I'm going to keep using it till you get it. And when he said to the multitudes away, he went up to a mountain uh, and prayed. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves and wind. It was contrary. And the, four, and the fourth watch of the night, which means about 2 o'clock in the morning, Jesus went, on, uh, went unto them walking on the sea. Amen. There wasn't no ground under him. And don't be watching National Geographic and tells you there's only two inches of water right there because there was a boat there too. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Don't be listening to that stuff. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled. Stop. They've, they've spent almost a year and a half with this guy now. And they saw him and were what? Troubled. Because they were what? In their soul. They were in their emotions. Now let's paraphrase this story. Let's move forward. Peter says, Lord, if that be you... Call me out there. Spirit connecting to spirit. Y'all remember this? The rest of the people were all in fear. No, 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 don't go, don't go. Now understand, this wasn't a canoe. Let's be clear. This was a fishing vessel. I grew up on shrimp boats. It takes it's some work to get from that deck to that water. So he had to work, and the whole time he's working to get down to the water, he still, it's Jesus, I'm going to him. He's still connected spirit to spirit, which means you can still be in function and still hear God. Now, all of us that want to just, you know, you at work and you want to pray in the Holy Ghost and freak everybody out, that ain't, that ain't Jesus. He didn't ask you to do that. You can be connected and focused and still hear God and still be in your day. Amen. 
So when he gets down, he begins to move toward and walking toward Jesus. Jesus said, come on to me. And the spirit connected the spirit. Then when he started getting there, he saw the waves. Listen, you got to understand, the waves never stopped. What is often unpreached in this, what, is, what the picture is painted as if he's walking in a peaceful sea, then all of a sudden waves start again. The waves never stopped. He was walking through waves to get to him. Then all of a sudden he realized, uh-oh, there's water. But he's standing on it. So at some point he shifted from spirit back to soul. And when he shifted, y'all know the story what? He began to sink, right? Yet Jesus was still able to grab him, pull him up, get him back to the ship. Now here's what I want to say in all this. This is the same exact scenario that when Jesus was on the ship in the last storm, his head was on a pillow resting, and the disciples said, we're in the middle of a hurricane. Jesus, don't you even care? First words every Christian says. Little hell breaks loose. Jesus, don't you care? I mean, he only went to a cross. Amen. I mean, don't let that hit you too hard, but I mean, we're so arrogant in our church going, we think we know everything. But he cares to the point that he, 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 even got, he got so angry that he rebuked his own disciples after rebuking the wind and calming the sea. And said, how long I got to put up with you morons? Now, I don't know if that's in the Greek or not, but I bet he was thinking it. Because the truth is, he was sleepy. I know what I do when I'm sleepy. <laughs> so here's the thing. Jesus had to subdue his own mind to operate in his spirit. He had to do everything you have to do. And we have to, I believe Jesus was son of God. You do too. But he was also son of man. And he had to subdue everything you have to subdue. He had to put away everything you have to put away. And the point is, right here, and Peter answered and said, Lord, if it be thou. He's even wondering, how many times have you said this? Lord, if this is your will, open the door wide open. If it's not, just kick it shut. Well, sometimes you've got to make a step of faith. Now, I said all of that to get right here. We talk about faith a lot. I'm a word of faith guy. You absolutely cannot make a step in faith when you don't know what God has said to you. You're, 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 you're shotgunning in faith. Or you're randomly hoping against hope that he'll do something. Faith is only where the will of God is known. Amen. And we got too many people preaching, well, just do it. Try something. If you step out, fall on your face. Do something. Try. Why don't you try to pray? Try to get quiet first. I'm a firm believer in going hard for Jesus. But I also believe you should go hard quietly. <laughs> and quit bragging about what you're going to do for the Lord and just do it. You know what's impressive to me about my wife in this whole scenario? Is that not once has she put anything on Facebook. Everybody else has. But she don't even look at it. You know why? Because she don't want that in there. She wants to be pure when she goes in there. You know why? Because I don't know about y'all, but I've been in jail. Don't, don't, don't bring no Christian up in here don't know what they're doing. Because we'd tear them apart. And the truth is, when it's the Holy Ghost, it's enough. Amen? All right. Let me try to move through. Can I, can I, can I try to finish up here? Y'all going to give me a few more minutes? You don't have a choice. I'm just asking. <laughs> Luke 19 and 10. Luke 19 and 10. Y'all learning anything? Now, I use this scripture a lot, but I really want you to see it. Verse 10, 19 and 10. For the Son of Man has come to do what? Seek and to save what? That which was lost. Say that. What was lost was relationship. What was lost was your ability to walk in. I don't know what I would do in my life. If, I, if my kids just couldn't walk in and talk to me. My, now, now, April gets on to me all the time because she's like, now you can't talk to them girls like you talk to them boys. I don't know how well I score in that, but I try. I try hard. <clears throat> but the truth is, 
and and I do know I do know that I'm I'm big, ugly, rough, and gruff, but I'm still daddy. When when you know we we were we were at the house today, and uh, Elaine was there. Sherry's granddaughter was there, and and we got Supermom here, right? Well, she tried to jump out of Supermom's arms into mine. You know, <laughs> just because I mean, it's what it is is they see the anointing. That's what it is. Not because I'm pretty, but the truth is. We're just comfortable with kids. We're just, it's what we do. It's what we've done, right? You become what you're comfortable with. And too many people are comfortable with things that aren't godly. And it stays in their life. And they keep it going because they, they haven't understood that Jesus seek and saves that which was lost. Because if, listen, when April and I first started dating, and that was 150 years ago and 10 kids ago, <laughs> I was a drug addict. Right? Yes. She would hold my head up, help me breathe, keep me from dying. It's a true story. I think she did a little partying all of about 72 hours in her precious little life, but I, I was a drug addict. I think she was born praying in tongues. You don't know the truth about it. I think she cried in tongues. But I made adjustments as we went deeper in our relationship because I loved her. There were things that she wouldn't accept because she saw the best in me, not because she just was that person that you ain't going to do that. Right? She didn't have a hitch in her neck, you know what I'm saying? She just wanted the best for me. And she made demands she didn't make demands on me as a person. She made demands on the greatness inside of me. And she didn't demand me. Well, actually, she did for a season. She wanted me to go to church, and she fussed, and she harped. But the Lord told her, stop doing that. Just pray for her. And every night I'd go to sleep and see because I was high. So when I was gone, I was gone. Well, she'd be standing there with her hand on my forehead praying in the Holy Ghost. And she'd put prayer cloths under my pillow. And stuck it, you stuck it in my pillowcase where I, my face was right on it. See, she was doing what the Lord told her to do, spirit to spirit. She wasn't in her soul saying, Lord, fix this man or kill him. You know, that kind of thing. So, because I made the adjustments, because I wanted to go after and find what I didn't have. I wanted to find what was lost. I had found something. That's what Jesus did with you. He came to seek and to save that, not those. Because if he gives you that, those will come. Because if those were involved, then somebody could manipulate it into your, the hierarchy, your this. Your, no, no, no. It's relationship, period. So on Romans 8 and 1, although we say there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, that's not what the Hebrew says. The Hebrew says there is therefore now no condemnation, period. Because there's no hierarchy. Which means in him he doesn't condemn you. Here's, I'm fixing to blow your religious mind. Even if you're not saved, he's not condemning you. Because God is a God of faith. And by faith he sees who you are. He just sees you separated. That's a heartbreaking thought if you let it really sink in. Now, can I teach you one more thing? Now, go to John chapter 10. Are y'all learning anything? See, Sunday mornings are fun because I get to just have fun preaching, but I love Wednesday nights because I love to teach. Now, if you're religious, you're about to lose your brain. <laughs> Let me make sure I'm in the right spot, yeah. John 10. We're going to go to the verse. We're going to start at verse 34, Warren. Jesus answered them and said, Is it not written? Y'all watch right up here. Now, you can't tell on this because everything's capitalized, but in your Bibles, look at it. Is it not written that I said, You are God's? Little G. You see that? If he would have called them God's, unto whom the word of God came, and the scripture cannot be broken. You see this? Say ye of him who the Father has sanctified and sent into the world, thou blasphemest, because I say, I am the Son of God. 
Now, I don't want to get too, too caught up in, in the Son of God part, but I want you to see this. What he's referring to is in the book of Psalms where it talks about you were made a little lower than the angels. Well, that's not what the, the Hebrew says. The Hebrew says you are made a little lower than God. See, you're above angels. In the whole spectrum of things, there's God, there's you, then there's everything else. See, in my life, it's God, it's my wife, it's my children, and then ministry kind of falls into four, five, and six. But when ministry gets ahead of my wife, ministry has been put ahead of God. Because although he's first, she's my number one earthly priority. Are y'all with me? That's what this means. It means that you are created a little lower than him. You're God's offspring. Now what we do is we get hung up on that word God. Oh, well, you saying you're a little God. Absolutely, because I'm like my daddy. But I'm not God with a big G. Now the word God there, do some research. The word God there means offspring. You're made a little lower than the angels. The Bible says, you are God's. Actually, what it's saying is Jesus answered them and said, is it not written in your law? Look what he says now. He's, he's needling them, which I think is hilarious. I believe Jesus was funny. He's needling them. He's saying, is it not written in your law that I said? See, now he's just making them mad, <laughs> which I think is hilarious. That I said, you're God's. Actually, what he's saying, that I said, you're offspring. See, everybody walks in here and they see uh, Baileys everywhere. It's like, it's like somebody threw up Baileys and threw them in the church. They're everywhere. But what they, this is what they also see. They also see they kind of look like me. Thank God they look more like their mama. But they all have leadership abilities because they're around two alphas, praise the Lord, which is hilarious sometimes. But they also, they also have musical ability because of my background. See, they're my offspring. But let's, let's take it at home. They can cook, show enough. Listen, they can, I, listen, I was like 120 pounds yesterday. Look what happened. <laughs> but they, <laughs> they can cook because they're offspring. Now, all of, you have, all of you have situations in your life where you have parents, kids, somebody in your life that you are like that because you're offspring. Which means this, he's saying this, next verse, you are gods, next verse, 35, if he called them gods, if he called them offspring unto whom the word of God came, stop, he called them offspring unto the word of God came, he called them offspring unto the word of God came, he called them offspring so they could carry, because God sees you just like Jesus, because you're now covered in him. The cross was necessary for salvation. But we have to stop making an altar of the cross and make an altar at the cross. And when you get up from the altar at the cross, see this whole scripture, this whole mindset of, well, brother, you just got to take up your cross. It's just a burden. God will put a burden on you. He'll make you so sick you can witness to a nurse. That ain't what that means. What that means is, the burden is carrying the suffering of figuring out how to operate this thing the right way and release the anointing into whatever season he's put in your life to go minister to those that he sought the relationship with. You've been given a task. And that task is to release Jesus, not yourself. Now I want to say one more thing. And then we'll start closing. Closing number one. Here we go. In life, especially in ministry, we have to do certain things. We have to, we have to have incorporation papers. We have to have bylaws. We have to have logos. We have to have 501c3s. We have to be legal. We have to do those things. However, those things don't define our ministry. We don't do what the bylaws say. The bylaws just describe who we are. Same thing with the Bible. Y'all listen to this. You don't do what the Bible says. Just let the Bible describe who you are. Because you're like Him. 
when you can become more like Him, something in you just begins to become overjoyed and all the things that were hooked to you and pulling at you and had you begin to fade away. And you have to make some adjustments. You have to make some changes, just like I did. I had to make some changes. We had beautiful children, and I was an addict around them. We had to make, she had to stand her ground. When Jesus went to the cross, he was standing his ground. She did it out of love. So did he. So that you could begin to redefine by what he says, not by what people say. The problem with us is we become what people say about us. Or we become what God says about us. You remember what I've been teaching you forever now? God told me one day when I was having a horrible day and complaining that either I'm right about me or he's right about me. And I need you to be right about what he says about you. Because the truth is, is you are absolutely the apple of his eye. You know what that means? Do y'all know what that really means? It's only 7.48. I got 12 more minutes. Shoot. Put your seatbelts on. I didn't realize I had that much time. Y'all just witnessed a miracle. Look out there, hop along. What you doing? <laughs> the apple of his eye doesn't mean that he just sees you as a fine possession. Because that's how it's defined in the American vernacular. What that means is he is so close to you that you are the reflection in his eye and he is the reflection in yours. That's what he wants. And on your worst day, that's where he's at. Do you realize that on your worst day, when you thought nobody wanted you around, nobody cares, you cussing everybody out and then praising the Lord when the pastor calls, he still is that close. Now, I'm not the person to tell you where grace ends. And I'm not even going to remotely try to tell you where grace ends. Somebody help somebody out back there. The anointing doesn't hit, they've fallen out in the sound booth. Jesus Christ, help them. Help them, Jesus. So, <laughs> touch. No, I'm playing. Uh, I'm like, somebody go get my coat. Y'all make fun of Benny all you want to. I've been in a situation with Benny in where, let me tell you something, we about got blown out of a stadium. It was, I ain't got time to tell that story, but, but that, that's real, y'all. I'm just telling you, y'all make fun of the man all you want to. I know if he stands in the shower, his hair hangs down here on one side, but he's anointed. That's the truth. We're going to edit that. That, that don't I, I ain't even going to lie. I'm drunk in the Holy Ghost. I can't help it. I'm lost. We, we got it. We got, where was I at? Apple of apple. Apple. See, it's the apple caused all this. Um, y'all go, they're preaching with me. But y'all don't know that. Oh, Jesus. Can I finish? I'm just, I mean, I'm just asking. Can I finish? So the toe broke. Um, no, I'm playing. We <laughs> Let's just stand up. Come on. 24 years I've never lost a service, and I lost one on a Wednesday night. Come on, just stand up. Let's just worship. He's so good. I'm telling you, we're laughing, but the anointing's here. Just, just worship for just a minute. God, you're so good. You're so good. Pray real, real softly, Aaron, real softly. God, you're so good. Come on, just if you're comfortable, lift your hands. If you're not, just try to get halfway. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I'm telling you, he's here. He's here. He's here. Yes, Lord, I hear that. I hear that. I hear that. I hear that. Thank you, Father. Right elbow. Who's right elbow? Whoever it is, just begin to work it. We call the healing into that thing in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I bless you, Jesus. <laughs> if you're baptized in the Holy Ghost, just begin to pray softly in the Holy Ghost right now. If you're somebody that doesn't understand that, don't worry about it. Nobody's going to come grab you. I, I guarantee you that. that that's been misused and, and misappropriated. But the truth is, is the Holy Spirit's a gentleman. But the anointing's here to do some work right now. 
There are two people in this room, and I feel this so strongly, that just, just the little bit of joy that we've experienced in this room tonight is beginning to heal the broken heart. It's beginning to knit some things back together for you. It's creating a hunger because you wonder, is this real? Can it be that easy? Is this really who Jesus is? And I'm telling you it is. I'm telling you it is. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I bless you, Lord. <laughs> you know, he died for us so we could live for him. He died as us so we could live like him. And we're going to let the word, we're going to let the word shine through our life and it'll describe who we are. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Oh, we bless you, Jesus. We're not going to rush this moment, see, because a lot of times when we get in this moment, we tend to think, well, pastor should prophesy or there needs to be a message in tongues. No, no, no. God's healing some broken hearts right now. You're receiving more right there because he came to seek and to save that which was lost. He tore the veil. You can hear him for yourself. There's people in this room, you don't know nothing about hearing God, but yet all of a sudden you feel in his arms around you. You got a pounding in your chest. You're warm all over. And all of a sudden your heart's being made whole. You don't even understand it. You don't know why. It's because he loved you. He came to, to save that which was lost. So Father, I thank you that in this room right now is burden-removing, yoke-destroying power. Breaking the chains of everything that holds us back. It's not just about addiction. It's our own intimidation. It's our own inferiority. It's our own insecurities that are being broken tonight in Jesus' name. Oh, glory to your name. Glory to your name, Jesus. I'm going to say this and then I'm going to close out. One more thing the Lord's telling me to say. I keep hearing this in my spirit so strong. Just, just stay worshiping, stay worshiping. Just listen. There was a season in April's life, and y'all have heard her tell this story a lot, where she, she talked to God out in the yard. She yelled at him, and you know her testimony. But she said these words. She said God spoke to her and said, You have tried me not. And I keep hearing that in my spirit for some people tonight that you have not tried him. You, you've been living off somebody else's revelation, somebody else's preaching, somebody else's denomination, somebody else's sign over the door. But you, he's calling you through love and through kindness. He's calling you to a place where your heart can be mended. He's calling you to a place where you can be put back together. And it's more than one. I can tell you that it's more than one. So I'm telling every person in this room, burden-removing, yoke-destroying power of God is in this room. So as I pray and as I close and we get ready to receive an offering and close the doors, I want you to begin to expect from the Lord everything you're believing for. I don't know what it is. Some of you it may be healing. Some of you it may be uh, your broken heart. Some of you it may be finances. Some of you it may be mental anguish. Some of you it may be whatever. But the anointing is here. Now, Father, I pray over every person in this room that they receive wholeness from you tonight in whatever area they need it in Jesus' name. Absolute wholeness. Absolute wholeness. Nothing missing. Nothing broken. Thank you for the hearts that are being put back together. I thank you for those things that you've called out, Lord, I thank you that we get to rest in your presence tonight. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. If you had church tonight, I'm telling you, the anointing is in this room. Yes, ma'am, come on, come on, I knew, I was waiting on you, come on. Yes, ma'am. Come on. While we're in this atmosphere, I want us to take a moment. Before we left last night, I asked anybody that was in the, the 
jail if they wanted prayer this week to that in my personal prayer time that I would call their name out to the Lord and as we were standing over there what God keeps just in my spirit over and over and over is there there has been and I'm just going to say this there's no way to step into that type of ministry um, most of y'all that know me know I'm totally out of my comfort zone and that's okay it's not about me however you're going to get the snarky side of things. Hey, they, these are just drug addicts. These are just whatever. Yeah. These are all the labels that people put on people like that. And I say that to say, as I'm sitting sitting over here, the Lord just keeps speaking to me of that's somebody's daughter. Yeah. That's somebody's mother. That's somebody's sister. That's somebody's wife. And as he's speaking of that to me, then the Lord speaks to me and said, but greater than all of that, that is my creation. That's his creation. So I want us to take just a moment. And Lord, I just ask you, Father, Lord, to just saturate every heart. Father, the ones that are sitting there that don't know what to do, that are bound. God, that they have an encounter, Father, with the love, Father, that you have for them. Father, I pray over every child, Father, that's at home, as it's a parent that is separated from them. Father, that you minister to them, Father, and bring wholeness, Father, to their hearts. Father, every home that's represented, God, I ask you, Father, for wholeness to just saturate them. Father, you are the only one that can go down into the innermost part of your creation, Father, and bring wholeness and healing. And we declare that, Father, for every person, Father, that if they encounter you, God, nothing is ever left the same. And I thank you, Father, Lord. We can just be a, a mouthpiece for you, God. But, Lord, we can't fix anything. But, Lord, we know that you can. And I ask you, Father, that their hearts are open God to you and Father we declare wholeness we declare sozo nothing missing and nothing broken I thank you Father for restoration God that they understand their identity that they know who they are in you and God that they will not settle for God just having another label on their life but they will encounter a God who loves them and that love will radically change their life and everyone around them will begin to experience the love that you have for them Father, I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Father. Lord, let us see that, God, people are your creation, no matter where they're at in their walk. Lord, let us not lose that. Father, I pray that we have a heart like you. God, that we see people, Father, with the eyes that you see them with. Father, that our hearts are moved with compassion as you lead us. Father, your word says that your sheep know your voice. and The voice of a stranger we will not follow. And, God, we do only what you say for us to do. And Father, I thank you. I thank you for every life. And I thank you for the value that you loved every one of us enough to send your son, Jesus. And I thank you for that. I thank you, Jesus, for staying determined. I thank you for loving us right where we are. And I thank you for loving us enough to not leave us there. I thank you that you are with us and we have all of heaven back in us. And I thank you, God, that you are good. And we will shout it from the rooftop that you are good. You are worthy, Lord. We lift yes, you up amen. and we exalt you. Yes. Father, we praise you and we magnify you. God, thank Jesus, you, Jesus, your name is above everything. Let us put you in your, pro in your proper place in our life. Thank you, Jesus. Let us put you in that place. Forgive us where we have elevated other things above you. Lord, there is no one like you. Lord, there is no one like you. I thank you. And I love you. I just want you to set yourself in agreement with that right now. You know, there's more happening here tonight than just a Wednesday night service. Jesus with 12 men changed the world. And I believe Jesus with 20 people down by the river can change this county. Thank you, Jesus. You know, there's an anointing here, and I don't, a lot of times we, we tend to, to try to, to play on it and ride it and turn it into a revival. But the truth is, you know, revival was never meant to stay inside, it was meant to go out. And what she's not telling you and what I didn't tell you is this. Uh, one of the 14 women that got saved is one of the jailers. 
One of the jailers was so involved in the service, I don't even think she was jailing. <laughs> That's God. Only God can do stuff like that, not us. And I said all that to say this. Now listen to me. That same anointing that rests on her, that rests on us, it goes down. It's not just the Alan and April show. It's you. You can walk in it. You just got to get hungry. Amen. Amen. Well, let's get out of here tonight. And guys, whoever, I didn't, I didn't appoint anybody for offering, but will you guys, Blake, Trevor, will you guys come help? Um, we're going to pray over offering tonight, and then we're going to let you go. We'll be here for prayer in the morning at 7 o'clock, um, and then we'll just move forward. Uh, just pray for, for us as we step into new phases of this ministry. And we're growing. Amen. Did you enjoy the meeting with Dean this weekend? Amen. Well, I'm just going to tell you, it's really not about who's here to speak. It's about the Holy Spirit. And whether Dean's here or I'm here or who's here, the Holy Spirit will be here Sunday. So invite somebody. Let's, let's get in here and just do what we're here to do. Amen. Father, I pray over this offering tonight as we sow. We thank you that every budget in this church is met. Lord, I thank you that they only do what they hear you say because men cannot pull money out of their pockets. They're wise stewards, but they're also cheerful givers. And Lord, I thank you that abundance is showing up in their life. I thank you that they're walking and flowing in prosperity, in grace, and in the beauty of holiness. I thank you that every promise that you've given them individually, the faith is where the will of God is known. What you've said to them that they're believing you for as they sow into this, I'm calling it to come to pass quicker and quicker by every single day. And Lord, I thank you that this room is full of people who are prosperous. And money is just a small part of that. But they have peace. They have joy. They have a wonderful life. They're walking in the blessing of God. And they're doing what you've called them to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead, gentlemen. As they go by, consider yourselves dismissed. I love you all, and I'll see you Sunday. I know who I am.